Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. The only thing that I can think that is making, I know these people, I look them in the eyes, I can see the turmoil and agony and the anger and the panic in them. You know, I'm, I'm, and, and to my should. mind, it, yeah, they should, they really should, because I can tell you, when people find out en masse what's been done, do you know who they're going to target? They're going to target the people that knew and the people that were compliant yep. and the people they can get to. And it's not going to be these tossers deep in their bunkers eating uh, uh, fillet steak while they're pushing out insects to us. It's going to be the people they can access. They're going to go down to the local hospitals and they're going to run riot. And that yeah. is my concern. And they're going to say, what? you knew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Last Days. My name's Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson, and we will be going through it together. <laughs> no matter how long it takes, we're here. And uh, we're sharing the journey, and it's a difficult journey. It's an unbelievable, unprecedented, unexpected journey that all of us find ourselves in in 2022. In Canada, four doctors dead. You may have heard this. Uh, more and more injuries happening. In my travels throughout Saskatchewan, I remember meeting a uh, young woman working in a funeral home. She had lost her job, been fired for not taking the jab. Well worth it, may I add, well worth getting fired for not taking what is turning out to be the greatest failed experiment of all times. So she's working in a funeral home and she says to me, they cannot believe all of the 40 and 50 year olds that are showing up dead and they're having funerals for an age group that they're not having, uh, they're not used to having that many funerals for. A lot of people being injured, a lot of things going on. We're finding out that doctors in Canada have taken the fake Vax Pass. Uh, I'm quite certain everyone has. Let's not just blame the doctors. And you know, the only thing that we can say is we, we kind of understand why why you would want to take a fake fax pass rather than losing your job. But what's hard to understand is that we're not just all standing up now, which is what my guest John O'Looney believes we should be doing. And he believes darker days are coming. Many of you know this gentleman from seeing his viral video when he dared to speak the truth about what was going on. And so before we get to him, a quick little video of somebody who's had an extremely bad reaction to the jab. Take a look at this. Am I allowed to say the V word on TikTok? Cause I'm just about to, and we're just gonna see how that goes. Vaccine, let's talk about it. So in 2020, I had just won a fitness competition. I maybe had a small patch of eczema on my hand, maybe my, my inner arm here and that was it never on my face never ever 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 i had my eczema so well under control for 29 years that at that point i was not actively working with a dermatologist but let me tell you this after every vaccine shot and i had three my eczema got worse and i'm not saying that the vaccine triggered my tsw i think it was a full perfect storm cluster of things that happened to me. So as my skin got worse, I get told that I need to go see a dermatologist. So I go to the dermatologist and the dermatologist prescribes me stronger and stronger creams. He says, oh my God, you're worsening eczema. You need to go on Clycospor and you need to go on methotrexate. 
These are drugs for people that are undergoing cancer treatments. And I was putting it in my body and just blindly doing what the doctors are telling me. Fast forward to January of 2022, I go in full blown TSW withdrawals. I get, I was shaking cold. I couldn't regulate my heat. I was oozing metallic liquid out of my skin. I was gaining weight, even though I wasn't eating. I literally just enjoyed myself last night and had crispy cauliflower. And this is what happened to me. So man, if I, I can't even begin to tell you how upset I am. Holy hell. <laughs> Do you know that I'm paying $1,164 on a medication called Dupixin? By the way, that's half off on a drug that I did not need prior to this, prior to the vaccines, prior to, prior to, prior to. Sorry, OMG. I'm just so freaking fed up. <laughs> I don't want to be that person that cries on this app, but God. Damn it. Really? Like, I feel like my whole life's been stripped from me. This is so freaking painful. Ugh. Yeah, I'm that, I'm that person that cries on this app, but it's not about a boy. It's about my freaking life. Um. Ugh. Anyone else? Anyone else notice this? Like, I was literally just following doctor's orders, following the government mandates, and now this is my life. Wow. And all the while, there are people like Justice McGaw in Saskatchewan who are going to uh, absolutely force a uh, young, a young woman to get the vaccine uh, against her mother's wishes. There are, there is no justice in our courts. So when a, a mother and a father are fighting over if their kids should be getting vaccinated, which no child should be vaccinated, uh, we have the courts constantly erring on the side of, let's do what's what's best for the child in the best interests of the child. Let's vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinated. Uh, and and there's been over 142 deaths now on the VAERS reports. That was only the last time I checked, and I really do have to get updated amounts because I I bet you it's over that. It's probably over 150 by now because they keep dying. So I'd like to invite my guest today. Uh, I had the air conditioning on; it's a little bit warm here. I'm sorry about my hair looking a bit crazy, but uh, this is an amazing man. He's very courageous, and it's all about telling the truth for him. And I love that about him. From the first time that I saw him, I saw the viral video where this funeral director from the UK was willing to tell the truth, unlike many in our nation of Canada and in the United States, unwilling to speak the truth at this time. Disgusting. So I welcome you to the show, John. Thank you very much. I understand it's about uh, just after 11 uh, p.m. in the UK. So you've stayed up really late to talk to us. And I appreciate it's, that. Uh, it's really important. And I can tell you, I value the lives of people I've never met, probably more than my own, you know. And I think um, when you see the testimony from that particular young girl, I find it very upsetting. Uh, and it reminds me exactly why I put my ass on the line. And we thank you for that. Um, John, for, for those uh, viewers who may not have heard of you and did not see the, your viral videos and many interviews since then telling the truth, 
Uh, tell us a bit about your story, uh, your very specific job being a funeral director, which gives yeah. you extremely good access to what's going on, uh, frontline level. Yeah, tell me how you got so, involved. Um, my name is, is John O'Looney. I run a funeral home in Milton Keynes in the UK um, called Milton Keynes Family Funeral Services. I've been an undertaker for 15 years. Ten of those were spent working for one of the major funeral providers in the UK, Cooperative Funeral Care, and then um, five years, the last five years were spent working for myself, um, basically because the bank, the co-op bank collapsed and they brought the money men into the funeral care side of things to try and prop up the debt that the bank had accrued, which on reflection, I probably think that half a billion pound debt has become very good leverage now to buy compliance and silence in this particular situation, you know. But um, uh, anyway, I noticed in 2019 in November, I had a family come to me that um, had lost a loved one in the neighbouring borough of Northampton and asked me to take care of their loved one and complained that the hospital wouldn't let them spend any time in the chapel of rest at the hospital. Now, every hospital has um, a mortuary, obviously, for those that pass away, and uh, a viewing chapel of rest next door to that mortuary that they can spend time with a loved one um, and they weren't allowing that. So I kind of said to this family that don't worry, I'll go and pick this this person up promptly and you can see them at the funeral home. And I went straight over to Northampton the following day, picked this person up and I asked the staff in the mortuary, you know, why won't you let this family see their loved one? And they opened the viewing room door and there was this big inflatable kind of tent thing that um, I, I now realise was um, a, a kind of like a, you know, a unit for putting infectious deceased in um, away from the main um, bulk of deceased. And I kind of asked them, I said, well, what's that for? And they didn't mention the name COVID, but they kind of said that they'd been warned something nasty was coming. Uh, and um, that was why they wouldn't let this family see their loved one. So um, that was my first introduction really to COVID. So I kind of left and uh, looked after this, this deceased and made arrangements and, and kind of what do you do? I told a couple of family. Uh, you know, you might want to get some pasta in or something. I've been told there, there's something horrible coming. Um, uh, and uh, uh, that's what I did. And then early in 2020, the news broke of COVID. And we were showing pictures of people in China falling over in the streets. And, and um, there was real panic and concern. And it was, um, I, I believed it. I'll be honest with you. Early on, I kind of had no reason not to. You know, I've never been a conspiracy theorist. I'm just an undertaker. You know, I've got a young son. And a family and a mortgage and you know uh, uh, why would i not you know if you go to the hospital and they say to you this person has tuberculosis they're highly infectious you listen to what they say you know and you act accordingly and you take the appropriate precautions so um 2010 came and uh, and we were being given um, all these warnings of, and nobody really knew what to do you know i was reaching out to the SAIF, which I was a member of, which is like a governing body that advise in an advisory capacity that um, uh, funeral directors are a member of. And the other one, of course, is the NAFD. Now, none of them knew what to do. None of them had a clue. So we were picking these people up and I was kind of washing them and dressing them and wonder when I would get sick. Um, and this is because these people were losing their loved ones over a Zoom call. Not acceptable. It's not acceptable to treat people like that. So I was washing and dressing them all, and um, I wasn't getting sick and dying. And I, I um, you know, I was waking up in the morning and um, wondering when I would get sick. You know, and it wasn't happening. So it wasn't um, what was being told to us. And then I took a call early in 2020 from a guy called John, who 
worked for, he told me it was a, a company uh, contracted by the government to collect numbers for the pandemic. And um, he, he said he would call me every Monday. And his name was John as well. I've got his number on my phone still because he called from a mobile number. And sometimes I would be out of the office when I took the call. And he would ask me several questions. He would ask me how many I'd picked up uh, deceased I'd collected that week, where from, what my capacity was, and how many were COVID. And almost instantly, he started steering me um, in totally the wrong direction. So let me give you an example. So very early on in 2020, we were told that the NHS had to be protect protected. So this meant that doctors would no longer be turning up at deaths and certifying. Uh, and we received an email from the local Thames Valley Police asking us to declare death, because obviously I'm not qualified to certify, but I could declare death. And if I had any concerns, to raise those concerns with the police for the coroner to be called in. Um, and that really didn't, that, that for me, alarm bells rang, because I'm not qualified to determine someone's passed away. I'm not medically qualified. I'm an undertaker. We do checks during the course of our work. Would I like to put my my reputation and, and name on the line to declaring someone dead who perhaps was in a deep coma or, you know, so I kind of said, well, that doesn't seem right. And he said, well, I thought we're all in it together. And well, clearly we're not if, if I'm being asked to do it all, you know, uh, 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 and, and tiptoe around this deadly COVID. None of them, no police, no doctors were in attendance. So he would ask me, he would ring me up and I would kind of tell him, you know, I picked up a guy from a care home. I spoke to the guy's family. There was no doctor present. There was no COVID test taken. He'd been in there four years. Um, he had onset dementia. That's what he died from. And he would insist that was a COVID death. Uh, and I kind of, well, why is that? And he said, well, we've been told there was one COVID death in that facility. So everyone has to be called a COVID death. And this went on rinse and repeat. Even one guy that was run over had tire marks across him. He was in ICU for a couple of weeks. Um, they were spam testing a dying man with a PCR test on 45 cycles, desperate to get that positive result. And I think as um, Kerry, uh, who invented the test, said, you know, on 45 cycles, you can find COVID in a tennis shoe. You know, um, so that's what they did. And then that guy was a COVID death. Everyone, cancer patients, heart attack victims, anyone that got on an ambulance, the GMC had instructed all of the paramedics to, to say they were all COVID. There, you know, there wasn't any COVID deaths. There wasn't. And um, the death rate wasn't up. There was no increase in death at all. What they were doing was every person that passed away, they labelled them a COVID death. Um, this is the first. I've been a funeral director for 15 years. I've um, The last two years, I've not seen a single winter flu death. That's never, ever happened. Where has winter flu gone? It's evaporated. It doesn't exist anymore. It's all COVID now. Um, so, uh, and again, I was washing and dressing all these people uh, and I wasn't getting sick. And it was becoming more and more obvious to me as the year went on that this was complete BS um, and there was no pandemic uh, at all. The death rate, you know, my mortuary book doesn't lie. It, it, the name that there was, and in fact, they used to, publish um, cremation numbers. So in the UK, the vast majority of funerals that we do here, that's where the bodies burnt, you know, um, burials tend to make up about 5% of the, the funerals that we do here. So that would be Catholic, uh, mostly culture and religious needs, Catholic, West Indian, um, you know, uh, Africans, they like being buried. It's a small percentage of the funerals that we do. So if you follow the cremation numbers, that's a fairly accurate representation of the death rate. And in 2020, the cremation numbers were actually 75 lower in Milton Keynes than they were in 2019. 
So where was the pandemic? Where was the pandemic? And we got to November, December, and we were doing funerals, but we weren't any busier than the year before, you know, and I was still on my feet um, washing and dressing all these people without a mask. I've never worn a mask. And many of these people, because the doctors weren't turning up to deaths, I was dressing them while they were still warm. We could be on site 30 minutes after someone had passed away. So you can't tell me they weren't infectious if they died from COVID. There was never any doctor present. There was never any COVID test present. Um, and these people didn't die from COVID. Um, so so uh, I kind of, they widely announced that in 2021, in January, they were going to start giving people this wondrous jab. Um, and I kind of, in my heart, I knew something was very wrong. And I expected the death rate to go through the roof the moment needles went in arms to the point where I actually made a point of telling a few people, wait till they put needles in arms. And they all laughed at me. And lo and behold, um, yeah, 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 uh, yes, I've got someone here. Yeah, so a guy um, who died of COVID in a car crash um, was COVID death, apparently, you know. So, so um they started putting needles in in the arms in January the 6th was they began locally here and instantly the phone was ringing off the hook. I would say the death rate was around 300% um, normal. It was all very elderly people. It was all the ones that were first in line. It was all the ones that were jabbed first. Um, and that pandemic death rate went on for about, I'd say 12 weeks. And then all of a sudden, as quickly as it started, it evaporated, almost like they'd realized they couldn't keep on doing that forever because the uptake would have stopped, you know. Um, and, and I know that's what it was. I don't care what anyone says. I know. And I washed and dressed all of these people that supposedly died of COVID um, throughout 2021, you know, uh, and um, remain to this day um, still very much alive. Now, uh, uh, in September, I got a call from a guy called Mark Sexton. He's a retired police officer. And I was asked to attend a meeting because I'd been given a number of interviews then because I knew what was going on. And I was very keen to try and save as many people as I can because I value your family as much as I do my own. Why are your kids any less important than mine? They're not. They're, you know, they're just exactly the same. Your family's just the same as mine. And I think that's why probably I've done quite well um, doing the job that I'm doing, because I genuinely care about people enough to throw myself under the bus. And I don't care about the consequences for me. Um, be that washing and dressing somebody they tell me has got deadly diseases or, or, you know, by daring to be honest and tell the world about the lie, the total lie. This is a car, I've got no doubt. But I, anyway, I got called to this meeting. I took a phone call from a guy called Mark Sexton and I went to an address in Birdcage Walk on September the 21st. It was a Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m. The address was number one Birdcage Walk and it was a, a set of really um, plush boardrooms. I had a member of the SAS get in touch with me um, and not current servant, an ex-servant, and he escorted me down there due to the gravity and the nature of the meeting. Um, really good guy, really good guy. We got down there. Um, we went in at two o'clock to give you an idea of who was there. Uh, Professor Dolores Cahill was there, Dr. Sukrit Bakti, Dr. Stephen Frost, Dr. Tess Laurie, um, Dr. Sam White. Um, there was a number of people there. There was about 18 in total. Some of them I'd, I'd seen speak out and some of them I, I didn't know. They were all lovely, you know, we, um, and we, we, we went there very much um, hoping that, you know, kind of thinking at last someone's listening to us. You know, because we're, all these people have died as soon as they had a jab. 
And um, we sat down with a guy called Sir Graham Brady. Now, Sir Graham is a very senior Tory politician. He's the commissioner of something called the 1922 Committee. Now, I'm not overly familiar with American politics, but Sir Graham is probably the most powerful MP in the country at this time. He's the man who I uh, was behind the decision to get rid of Boris Johnson, to give you an idea. And he will be the man that um, is part of this 1922 committee that selects the candidates of the successful um, kind of. So we all had 10 minutes with Sir Graham um, in our respective fields. Mine is an undertaker. And I told him what I'd seen and what I was concerned about and what I was worried about. And then I listened to what other people said as well. People who, ta who said things that I didn't realize. Now, for example, 70% um, of the children that are vaccinated will be sterilized as a recognized side effect. I saw reams and reams of evidence go down. But more tellingly, I looked at Sir Graham's face. I'm a people person, so I have a unique skill. And my skill, uh, my, my, my gift is looking at people and listening to them and knowing if they're lying. By their body language, I can tell if someone's being sincere. Even down the phone, I can read them, you know. Um, and uh, it's it's uh, a skill that you hone and perfect over a number of years, and I'm very, very good at it. And Sir Graham knew, and that feeling was universal in that room when he left. He knew, and it was felt that he probably, it wasn't his doing. He, I'm not saying he was complicit, but he certainly was well aware. He said that it was above his pay grade, and there's nothing he could do, and he couldn't make any promises. Uh, and he couldn't stop it, and he hasn't been able to, you know. Um, and oh. I kind of got the feeling um, Sir Graham is sitting on the fence, waiting to see what side to fall on, depending on the outcome of the masses and, and how quickly they wake up. And uh, I can tell you, as I said, I went to that meeting full of hope, and I left. I wept. I wept, you know, and I listened to... Um, many of the people in that room weeping and crying. It was really, really upsetting. Um, uh, and it, it mm. remains upsetting. You know, it remains upsetting. So, so um, moving forward, what was said in that room was that I think it was acknowledged there wasn't any one vaccine. There were a number of different things being put in people. The common sense um, narrative, I mean, common sense tells you if they made a lethal injection, everyone queued up, fell over um, immediately it wouldn't be long before the uptake would cease. So what they've done is they've staggered these batches. Some of them, uh, it's felt early on, especially right. were placebo. Um, and the idea of giving you a placebo is to recruit you as an advocate. Um, let me explain. So if I give you um, a vaccine and it's saline, can you, you know, what, what ill effects are you going to suffer? What adverse reaction are you going to have? None. So you then go away and you tell how everyone how wonderful it is because it's saline, there's nothing in it. So that, in its, as without your knowledge, it's recruited you as an advocate for the vaccine. And that is, is a large swathe of the early ones. I feel, based on the death rate, um, that would have been happening. And that was kind of agreed in the room by people far more intelligent than me. You know, I've got any letters after my name. Um, there's also... Um, vaccines that are clearly causing uh, cardio issues. And we see this in the unprecedented record number of young sportsmen and women um, uh, who are collapsing and dying and retiring um, globally in the last 18 months. Um, it's felt that this was thrombosis based. I can tell you it isn't a thrombosis. These are growths that grow inside the arteries of these vaccine recipients. 
Um, and if I'd taken this call at work, I could show you a sample in a test tube. There's a gentleman uh, who's an, um, uh, an embalmer in Alabama, a guy called Richard Hirschman. And I would urge all of your viewers and watchers to do a search for Richard Hirschman. He's, uh, I can confirm he is um, who he says he is. He's a qualified embalmer. He's a bloody decent guy. I can tell you he's a hero. Uh, and he's um, noticed that uh, some time ago. Um, so let me explain. So about 14, 16 months ago, my embalmer complained that we were having trouble embalming people. Now, the embalming process is as follows. We make a, an incision into the carotid artery and we cut halfway through the artery and we've got an L-shaped nozzle on a pump and we put it down the bottom half of the artery and we tie the top half of the artery off. And then we pump formaldehyde around the body. Now, normally in, in a normal deceased, uh, regardless of what they die from, and it, providing they haven't had a post-mortem and their circulatory system is intact, that formaldehyde will go around the body and it's pink in color. So as it reaches your fingertips, we can tell because your fingertips get color again and you look like you did when you were alive, you know? And that's the idea of environment is to uh, prevent nature taking its course and to get it all the way around the body. And that's called a one pointer because we use one point to do it. Now with vaccine recipients, we're finding it can be up to six points. Um, so we go both sides of the neck and we go both sides of the thigh in the groin area in the ephemeral artery. And then under the arms in the red, there's like a radial artery under there that you can do to get it down the arms. And even then, sometimes we have to manually hypodermic the fluid in because these people are blocked up. Now, initially, my first thought was that perhaps the embalming pump was tired, you know, um, but it's got a gauge on it that tells you the pressure it's doing. So we swap the gauge out. It's still telling us the same pressure. So, so um, wow. then I, I watched um, a video from this Richard Hirschman, and he'd been um, embalming cases that had been post-mortemed. So let me explain the post-mortem process. They'll open your cavity up and they'll take all your organs out. They'll weigh them and they'll do toxicology and they'll take slides to determine the cause of your, or they used to. They're, they're skipping that now where they can get away with it. And they will put your organs back in, in a bag, very much like the giblets in a turkey, believe it or not. And then when people come to the funeral home, obviously their, their circulatory system has been compromised then. So we have to cut the stitch in, we take the organs in the bag out, and then we manually target the ends of the severed arteries to put fluid in people, you know? And then everything goes back in. Uh, and we were finding, uh, we had a young guy in a few weeks ago um, who remained nameless out of respect for his family, but he was under 30. He died suddenly and we opened him up and his arteries were full of like a, a calamari white spaghetti type substance and it grows exactly to the shape of the arteries. Now, if I if I opened up 10 people, some people would have, um, let me explain, some people would have an artery uh, that, that thin, very thin, and other people would have an artery oh. like that, you know, and everything in between. So if you have quite thin arteries and you're getting this reaction from this vaccine and these things are growing inside your arteries, um, it's not going to be too long before you suffer cardiac failure, cardiac arrest, a stroke. Uh, and that is what is happening, I believe, to these people. Now, Richard Hirschman, um, I've only looked at one very closely. Um, 
because we wanted to, we were waiting for all the planets to align if you like where we had a young guy in who died suddenly who we knew was vaccinated and he'd had a post-mortem and the family had asked us to embalm you know there are a lot of things there that all have to add up for you to be able to look i'm not going to cut into people's loved ones searching um that's not my job that's the job of the coroner now this guy was full of this stuff literally full some of his arteries were 80 percent blocked with this stuff uh, and it's not a traditional clot it's, it's bright white and it looks like calamari and you can pull it out and for example the the top of the ephemeral artery you could grab it with tweezers pull it and the whole lot would come out like two foot long a traditional clot if you pulled that from an artery it would break up you could press it with your finger rinse it away and it would break up these don't they're very elastic very tough um and i believe they're a deliberate they're a deliberate addition to, to these to these jabs and this is what is killing people in record numbers and this richard hirschman's got hundreds and hundreds of samples taken from hundreds and hundreds of jab recipients who have died and ended up on these environment table um there many samples have gone out to set uh, to uh, labs and doctors and i believe that very shortly you're going to see um the breakdown of those the results of those um th oh those analysis uh, yeah yeah and so do that's you think what it is. do you think this is what's causing the sudden uh, adult death syndrome hundred percent hundred percent yeah oh. so so there's that that there's saline there's the white stuff inside people's arteries that they're calling clots and they're not clots it's a growth that grows to the shape of the artery um, and the third one is probably the most worrying one is the one that's going to induce AIDS. So let me explain. Uh, and I can only explain as it was explained to me. So over two years, the cells in your body regenerate with the exception of like your heart, your sexual organs and a couple of other bits they mentioned. But um, this genetic modification of your um, uh, immune system means that the new T cells have a new instruction when and they target your body. They see your body as the enemy. So the end result of that is as the time passes and more and more of your cells have this new instruction, your immune system is decimated and it attacks you. And the symptoms of that are sickness and illness. And there's your new variant. So these people are dying. I mean, I've had women, um, I had one woman in that was super fit. She was a runner. Um, she was, uh, I think, 49 or 50. She'd had a booster, the third shot, and she died within a week from chronic liver failure. So, so the way it works is whatever organ you've got that's particularly feeble and perhaps you're not aware of, that's the first thing that will fail. You know, and um, we're also seeing lots of cancers. Now, your immune system is what keeps cancer at bay uh, and um, very much like cancer victims. What we used to see was we would get someone come to us and they would say to us, um, oh, my mum's died, she had cancer. And at some point during the relationship with the client, you'd say, well, what happened? And they would say to you, mum had cancer for four years. She'd uh, gone into remission, made a recovery, and usually they got a cold. And because they'd destroyed the immune system with chemotherapy, these people then die. Now, this is what we're seeing where people are. I suspect they're getting the most minor of ailments, but they've got a decimated immune system and can't fight it off. There's your new deadly virus. Do you know, so it's been very carefully thought out. Um, the other thing that we're seeing is sudden extremely aggressive cancers so usually uh, as i mentioned earlier touched on earlier we get people who come in and they maybe had cancer for three four two three four years we're getting people now that are dying within four to six weeks from diagnosis 
they're dead within four to six weeks. So, so, and these are in numbers. I mean, you speak to any oncologist uh, or oncology department, they've rung me up and they've confirmed it. I've had loads of people reach out to me, doctors, nurses. I've had nurses ring me up and beg me to save them. You know, what can I do that I'm not doing? I can't save them. You know, all I can do is tell the truth and, and tell people what I'm seeing on the cold face. And that's what I'm seeing. So it was said at this meeting that anyone who's had the last type oh, of shot, the one that decimates oh. the immune system, has between two and five years. Now, people in their 40 to 50 age bracket would have had their jabs about um, April of last year. We're now in July and we're seeing an up, an increase in death rate in these people. I've done, uh, to give you an idea, uh, when I work for the co-op, they've got 50% market share. They're a real big funeral provider in the UK. And uh, the last branch that I work for, we're doing about six or 700 funerals a year. And I could count the amount of people under 40 on one hand in that branch in that year. Um, we've seen that some months um, in a small, as a small funeral director, we've seen that. And I've spoken to people who work for the big funeral providers still, and they tell me that they're inundated with youngsters. So everybody knows, it's common knowledge. I've had doctors come in and do cremation paperwork and openly admit to me, because I, I see that when they come in as, as um, an opportunity to grill them, you know. Uh, I see each doctor now as, as a challenge, you know. Have you seen an increase in, in jab recipients? And they'll say the same thing, yes. And they're all frightened to death. They all look at the floor and they shuffle their feet and they're on really good money. And they value their direct debits more than they do your life. That's the reality. And we saw it, didn't we? And in, in when we cast our mind back uh, in Nuremberg, people, good people did bad things because they were told, they did what they were told to do. And this is what we're seeing now. And they, you know, these people, they put them in such high positions of really good, good earner you know, £200,000 a year, you've got some sort of lifestyle with that. If you're going to be chucked out of your job and struck off, it's going to ruin you for the death of a stranger. And these people don't care. They'll just they'll do what they're told to do. And that's their, going to be their defence. We only did what we were told to do. But the thing that disappoints me the most is not what these people are doing, because once you look a little bit deeper, you can see that they've always been the same way. They're monsters. They look at us as livestock. That's all they look at us. We're just livestock. We're birth certificates to be traded, you know. Uh, uh, and once you get your head around that, you'll have a better understanding of the kind of people that we're dealing with. No amount of legal arguments are ever going to save us. Enough. No. Uh, how can you reason with genocidal people who know what they're doing? You can't. You can do all the court cases you want. It's, it can only ever end one way, I think. And I came to that conclusion quite quickly. So, so um at the meeting, they said anyone that's had the one that damages the immune system has between two and five years. There is no cure. Forget your pine needle tea. I mean, by all means, try it. But um, Mike Eden was there from Pfizer, uh, the vice, the former VIP, and he said there's no cure. Once it's in you, that's it. It modifies your your genes. You know, it's, it's gene therapy. So it modifies your makeup of who you are and what you are. It's um, so scary. Oh, of course, I've lived with it for two years. My life is miserable, you know. And, and don't get me wrong, I've got everything to live for. I'd never dream of taking my own life, but I wake up every day um, thoroughly disgusted with my government and, and the way they behave themselves and the police. I'm appalled by the police over here. They know what's going on. You look into their eyes, they know. You know, that the short-sightedness of these people is unbelievable because if you think about it logically, we've all got critical minds. If we are living under governments who are clearly puppets and they are 
heavily entrenched in culling society, culling Europe and the US. I suspect because we make up about 25% of the population, but we use about 65, 70% of the world's resources. That's why. That's why I believe they're doing it. We, we, uh, the world is run by corporations and people in the shadows, not governments. These people will do whatever they're told to do. Um, and I believe that over the next five years, it's going to get really dark and a lot of people are going to die, especially next winter as we go into the second year of the five that was projected. And um, everyone that's been jabbed, um, they're going to die. They're going to get sick and they're going to die if they keep lining up for these jabs. That's the bottom line. And you have to ask yourself, you know, why in, in the UK, why have we got 130,000 NHS workers that would rather lose their careers than take the protection? They, these are people that are on the front line that would rather lose their careers than take the protection. What are they, or why are they making that decision? What do you think that they're seeing? Let me tell you what they're seeing. They're talking to these people before they die. They're jab recipients, and they're all saying the same thing. What's happening to me? I was all right before I had the jab. I know because wow. I spoke to them. You know, yeah. So, so that's that's kind of where we are. So I know what's going on. Um, and I, whilst I applaud the, the efforts being made, you're not going to get the system punishing the system. You're not. It can only ever end one way. And my, I'm a very critical, logical thinking guy. And I can tell you the only thing that I think is, will save us now is divine intervention. Because the people, um, especially in Europe, they disarmed us a long time ago. There's no Second Amendment for us. You know, It's very difficult to vaccinate someone with an AR-15. Who doesn't want to be vaccinated you know um over here we've got nothing they'll round us up and they've been um that one of the most interesting aspects i suppose that supports that is i'm 54 years old and and during my life um they've always talked about um prison overcrowding right and they've never ever done anything about it much like the politics in canada or in the us you know you get a politician and they're 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 going around before they've been the election making loads of promises aren't they going to do everything and then they never ever do because they're all the same self-serving um, um monsters you know I, I i can't certainly in the uk i can't remember uh, i mean at the moment here to give you an idea we've got a choice of of two parties really we've got um boris johnson who's been deliberately um, poisoning his own people uh, and whilst he takes lots of backhanders and then we've got sakir starmer who know uh, who who was in, in charge of the Crown Prosecution Service when the decision was made not to prosecute Sir Jimmy Savile, the notorious paedophile, you know, because it would have implicated loads of politicians. So we've got a choice uh, between an alligator and a crocodile, really, and we're on borrowed time, I can tell you. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely feel that if victory is going to come, it's going to come from America because they're armed and there's lots of them. And if it doesn't, if America falls, we're finished. Everyone is finished. Stunning. John, could, could you help me think something through? So the elites, they openly talk about depopulation. Uh, the Club yeah, of Rome, of we have do. this video from Dennis Meadows, talks about, you know, there's, we're at seven there's loads out. We got, right. They don't care. So, They're complacent. Um, so, I can tell you, I sat there next to Graham Brady. So Graham Brady, he looked at me like yeah. I was livestock. That's all you are. You're livestock. That's it. Right. Uh, and We're nothing Europe to them. and America, nothing. Europe and America use 65% of the world's resources. They're the ones they want to get rid of. You know, why do you think we've had um, a thousand young men of fighting age landing on Kent beaches being escorted over from Europe every month? 
every month they are our replacements they will happen i know it's going to happen i've spoke to so i've had um, one of the things about going um uh, public is is you get a lot of people reach out to you some of them are victims some of them are politicians some of them are intelligence people and i've had intelligence people reach out to me that are in the communications uh, and they tell me what's happening and that is the future they're gonna they're gonna clean europe and the plan is to do america as well you know why do you think you're seeing all these mass shootings over there because they want to disarm all americans because that's going to make it very easy to do whatever they want to do with americans then once that second amendment is finished america is finished the citizens they'll be finished i could tell you now wow and that's why we feel sick in canada because what yeah, little guns um you know rights we have uh yeah trudeau is trying to take those yeah, even yeah. further and of we're not armed. Uh, we we're, I, we're, I, um, we're sitting ducks of course you are of course you are and he knows that and he knows that and he'll get more and more complacent and he will he he will i can tell you it's only going one how way have i they really done hope. this john i how, think how they've had they get, un- uh, uh, they groomed the well, they, did they pay them they, no they groomed them through the world economic forum so all of these people uh, are former world economic forum kids they groom yes. them through the system i believe it's probably bloodlines are, are entrenched in there and these people are indoctrinated at an early age and they've moved all the chess pieces in place so they've got the media totally compliant totally compliant i, I can tell you for example, um, very early on in COVID, when I believed it in the first few weeks, I had the BBC um, contact me at the funeral home. You know, I'd spoke to the local radio station a few times and they knew me to say hello to. Um, and they, they, this is pre-COVID. So they said, we want to come and do um, a piece on COVID. You know, it's getting really out of hand. And I was happy to help because I believed it. You know, I thought, yeah, great. So they turned up and they spent about, 40 minutes briefing me on the five or six questions they were going to ask me and then they got me to dress up in full ppe and put a mask on now as a funeral director i never wear a mask you can ask any funeral director um the only time i ever wore a mask was when i worked for the coroner so when i worked for the coroner i would recover bodies from places of death sudden death so sometimes that would involve going into a house in august september and you're recovering a, a body They've been there since Christmas. There were Christmas cards up, you know. So, so you would want to mask them because you'd put Vicks menthol inside the mask and you put it on to try and mask the smell because it's dreadful, you know. A mask is never used in an undertaking environment because it doesn't protect you. It doesn't save you from anything, you know, unless it's like an, a, a, a surgical, real high-tech mask. But they got me to dress up for the camera and, and they briefed me on everything they wanted to know. And that was to give them the hysteria they wanted and I torture myself, you know, I, I think, God, you know, if how many people went and got a vaccine on the back of what they coaxed out of me to support their lie, you know? Now, they know what I've said. If you can reach out to me from Canada, you can be sure, pretty sure that the BBC know that I've voiced concerns about an unnatural amount of deaths. The silence is deafening. They won't come and see me. Now, um, last November, I, I, I spoke to the guy who was in British intelligence. Um, he spoke to me for about 40 minutes. He told me some things that I've never really spoke about because they're so far-fetched and outrageous. People wouldn't believe it anyway. But I can tell you um, there's an Afghan of, uh, a, a regiment of Afghan special forces resident in the UK now. 
and they're training the young lads that are landing on Kent beaches to go door to door. That was what he told me. Is it true? I really don't know. I won't know till they kick my door in, I suppose. You know? Um, so, so, so people so begin kind of talking to you because they know they know that you're telling the truth. And so they're giving yeah. you even more information. At this point, there's no reason not to believe this because this uh, is no, so crazy. They're, yeah. they're Why would, killing um, you the have population. To ask they are actively doing it. And, and Sir Graham Brady was well aware and he said he couldn't stop it. And, and it was at the end of the meeting, it was put to him because, you know, we became quite upset because we realized it, it became apparent very quickly during the meeting that he knew and nothing was going to be done about it. So that is upsetting. You know, it is if you go there and you think, oh, at last, you know, people are going to listen. So it was put to him that there be, when people find out what has been done, especially to their children, um, there'll be a level of civil unrest and probably civil war across Europe. And he said that the governments knew they were prepared and they were actually surprised that it hadn't already happened. Yeah, yeah. So, so they want... They, they're well, they're going to keep prodding the angry bear and they're going to keep putting prices through the roof. Over here now, um, to give you an idea, so in 2011, the, the price of oil in the barrel was, I think, $1.11 and it was £1.39 at the pump. Um, at the moment now, it's about five, and it's two quid at the pump. You know, they're starving people to death. People are going to die. The electric prices and the price of power has gone up uh, 40%. It's gone up another 50% in October. So to give you an idea, my electric bill to run a standard house at home is going to be 420 British pounds a month for electricity and gas, um, which is probably, well, I suppose, about $800 a month. You know, um, people are going to have to make the decision whether they eat or whether they freeze. People will die. And the government are well aware of this. They, they don't care. It's a deliberate act. And what they want to do is they want to poke and prod and they want the, the, the angriest um, uh, warrior-like people to go out on the streets first. And then, do you know what? They'll lock them away in the new super prisons they've built. You know, you look at places like... Um, so I, I kind of go back to what I was saying. So I'm 54 and I've had loads of home uh, uh, politicians have promised. You get a new home office minister in wait and he says, oh, you know, we know about prison overcrowding. We're going to sort... They never do anything. They never do anything. They, they make loads of promises. They get elected and then they just... Uh, they're self-serving, you know? But all of a sudden, in the middle of the most deadly alleged pandemic, one of the real priorities in, in the UK and across Europe has been to build huge super prisons. And there's six in the UK, 20 and 30,000. And what they do is they build them on existing sites. So, for example, HMP Wellingborough. I have a Google of HMP Wellingborough. They've renamed it Five Wells, but they built and modernized it. Uh, they did it under the guise of modernizing it, and it's gone from like 4,000 to 30,000 capacity now. And it's big, huge five, uh, five, six story buildings in the shape of X's. Um, 700 guards there. Uh, I think it was three or 400 million that particular facility has cost. How is that a priority during a, a terrible pandemic? Surely they should be building right. huge hospitals, you know? But no, they saw fit to build all the, and they're doing it on existing sites. So it doesn't draw as much attention and can be um, kind of seen as modernizing, you know, but it's not, it's vastly increasing capacity tenfold in some of them, you know, what, why do they feel they need to do that? What's the priority there? You know, what's the thinking behind that? I really don't know because people are losing their businesses 
and losing their homes as and they're pushing interest rates up now so in the europe um certainly in the uk we've had 10 years of virtually zero percent interest rate so what that means is everybody uh, loves cheap debt don't they so they go and get into as much debt as they can because it's really cheap and they're in up to there well now they're in up to there they're whacking the interest rate up ridiculously fast sometimes it goes up uh, half a percent a month um, and it's not going to be too long before people who have had their businesses decimated um, by these in a draconian, totally unnecessary lockdowns are going to lose their homes um, because they just can't afford to, re to repay them, you know. Um, uh, and food costs are going through the roof. Now, the, the war with Russia is a very interesting one. When you look at the war with Russia, think about it logically. 16 weeks ago, we couldn't travel. You couldn't see your family. You couldn't work. COVID was going to kill you. Fast forward 16 weeks, there's not really any mention of COVID. Putin's going to kill you. Uh, and you can move a whole family in from the Ukraine into your house. The government will sponsor you. What can't people see? What can't people see? You know, uh, it's unbelievable. And I, I can't, it shows me how effective this brainwashing is. And I wonder why am I wired differently that I can clearly see through it? Is it the position of privilege that I've had as a funeral director? Probably. A degree of it but i've always been a critical thinker and to me things are black and white based on fact uh, um if it was only me saying this i would question myself but i don't because i sat there with sir graham brady and i know the number of doctors and i look at all the 20 and 30 year olds i'm putting in coffins you know in numbers that has never happened before so it isn't conspiracy theory and people will see it eventually because they'll have no choice but my feeling is now they're so indoctrinated and perhaps so scared that you know who wants to actually accept that they've allowed their government to poison them and they're perhaps going to die get sick and die who wants to come to terms with that and accept that but that is the reality you know so it's easier just to angrily deny it and bury your head in the sand and say no you know and i suspect many of these poor souls will probably go to their their grave brave 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 you know blaming everyone else who won't take it you know i'm going to die because you haven't had yours how are you going to die because I haven't had mine you know um, yeah these are things uh, you know the freedom of choice bodily autonomy are things that our grandfathers fought and died for or at least we're, that's what we're told isn't it you know um, I'm beginning to wonder if we are actually born into the side of good at all it actually does make you feel that way uh, 100% you, because I, it's um, been such a sci-fi like a psychological thing like we're in the Truman show <laughs> You know, like, well, like all innocence has left. Yeah, I doubt anything um, this government have ever told me. Now, I watch um, children. Uh, I've got a son myself in school and the way they groom them in schools now to accept transgenderism and, and, and all manner of bizarre it's all the UN agenda. Uh, all of this goes back to the WEF, the UN, the you know, the WHO. They're all woke. They're all about transgenderism. They're all about critical uh you know uh race theory uh, uh the climate agenda all of it it's all in the same thing and vaccines and and it's it's all to to hurt us they would never ever 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 do a psyops on me i would never change my mind my son is 11. they would never break him he comes home from school and says dad you'll never believe it they spent the last month telling me only black lives matter good. it's ridiculous good for it's him ridiculous. You know what people of color are probably You're just as good dad. in Europe as everyone else. It's, uh, do you know what? All, all it is is truth. I don't care what color skin you've got. I don't care 
what your sexuality is. Do you know what? Don't rub it in my face. Why don't we all start a movement saying heterosexual and proud? You know, because we'd be haters then, wouldn't we? It's, do you know, how can people be falling for this rubbish? Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. But that's where we are. And um, I kind of yes. I kind of despair. I despair. I think it's time that we got rid of politicians altogether and that we voted on policy. 100%. Because policy Can't trust any of them. We, we could agree on six or seven policies and vote for what ones we wanted. It isn't corruptible. All politicians are corruptible. You know, they've been well known and well documented. I mean, look at Biden. What a joke. You know, uh, and for me, the moment he got elected, um, I, I kind of, here's a man with a 30-year career, political career of utter failure, with a, a well-documented, uh, questionable approach to children and women. Uh, uh, and suddenly he's more popular than the great Ronald Reagan, exclusively by postal ballot. How can that oh, happen? Oh, and he got more votes than, than Obama. Yes, yeah, I, I mean, it's shocking, really, how how, how popular he is. Wow. And, and I think, um, I, 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 as I said, I've, I've never been a conspiracy theorist, but I looked at that and for me, alarm bells rang. The other thing I looked at and thought was totally not right was 9-11. Um, and the reason for that is primarily um, I was an engineer before I became an undertaker. So my job was working with metal, um, welder fabricator. So I know the physics of metal. And to to try and sell two planes evaporating into a skyscraper and then they come down um, in an identical manner to two controlled demolitions, I couldn't buy that. Um, I kind of thought it was to launder money uh, and to drag us into a war. And that's probably what it was. I can't believe that Americans would kill Americans, but for me, I think I, I think that's what happened there. Um, on reflection, I listened to the firemen that were ex-forces um, who heard and felt the controlled demolition, the percussion, uh, and I note that the, uh, for example, the dogs that were in there, they had resident drug uh, uh, explosive dogs in both buildings in both towers. They were pulled out the week before, and then when you look at who was in the towers on the day, and who wasn't. There's a pattern there. And I kind of, I never paid it too much attention, but I knew in my heart, I thought that's very, very wrong. You know, how can a plane hit a building? There'd be no trace at all. The engine didn't come down the front of the building. The wings didn't shear off. There was no wreckage at all. Um, it was just bullshit. Uh, and I never, I kind of thought they're dragging people into a war and to launder money. And that's probably what it was. I never dreamed they'd go as far as they have now, but here we are. John, why do you, how do you think they're getting the other people? Okay, so we know that the WEF has infiltrated the cabinets of major countries. We've got, uh, you know, Trudeau is completely bought and sold, and he's a psychopath, probably the love child of, you know, another crazy person on the planet. And so we know all that, but, but how are they making the police officers, how are they making the doctors, the medical understand, uh, people. To understand, to understand the mind uh, of a psychopath, you have to put your mind, your mindset in them. Now, if I was running the show, what would it take you to be complicit? I would suggest to you it would be a choice of living or dying, lots of money and a seat on the ark. And I would suggest that's what these people have got on a need-to-know basis down right. to a certain down to a certain level. That's the only thing that I can imagine would make someone compliant. I can't imagine. When have the world's Western um, governments all worked in tandem? 
I can't remember since the Second World War. They've never ever worked, uh, and uh, the evidence is overwhelming. Overwhelming. You know, when you've got people like funeral directors telling you openly, why would you not want to come and talk to them to find out more? They don't want to because they don't want it aired. They don't want people to know. Um, and and I, I'm going to keep speaking until they now me. I suspect I'll either end Good up suiciding or, or cardiac arrest is, is probably the... Uh, well, it was interesting because one of the things that the, um, the, the intelligence guy said to me, he said, you will be targeted. Uh, and um, I kind of, about a month later, despite dressing people with COVID label for two years, I fell really ill, went into hospital. Um, I had three COVID tests in there. Uh, they were all negative. The nurse said to me, you haven't got COVID. Um, so then the following morning, the consultant came round and he said to me, we want to start you on remdesivir. And I kind of, he didn't expect me to have any knowledge at all. And I kind of said, no, I'm not taking that. And he said, well, why? You'll die without, we're going to, we're going to save your life with remdesivir. And I said, well, let's have a look at the, the effects. First of all, tell me the clinical benefit of remdesivir. And he couldn't. He had no clue. This is a consultant for that ward. Um, and then I said, and let's look at the side effects. And Google side effects of remdesivir. And it tells you shortness of breath, wheezing, liver function, ki kidney function, liver function. It's not conducive to um, a, a recovery of a, in a respiratory patient. So, so why would you offer that? And he couldn't, he didn't even want to engage. He just walked off. And I never saw that guy again. So later on in the day, I had a girl sit on the bed from Oxford University and she led in with the same World Economic Forum line. We're here to save your life. And I, OK, so uh, I said, how are you going to do that then? She said, well, uh, we want you to try two drugs um, to treat your COVID. I said, Look, are you even looking at my notes? I've had three tests. I haven't got COVID. And these are the tests that you're putting people on palliative, palliative care on the basis of. I've, I've tested negative. So why would you put me in a COVID ward? Why would you give me these drugs? She asked me to take a drug called baricitinib and another one called toxilizumab. Now you can Google them. Let's have a look at the side effects. Difficulty breathing, high blood pressure, kidney function, liver function, all the things that COVID patients are allegedly dying from. It's governments are running the hospitals. It's not made on clinical decisions. And I said to her, Tell me the clinical benefit to me of these drugs. Oh, and they wanted me to sign, sign a waiver to take to be given the drugs. A waiver, you know, and I kind of said, why do I need to sign a waiver to take medicine? You know, she couldn't even look at me. She spent eight minutes talking to me like that because she knew what she was doing was wrong. She couldn't even look me in the eye, not once, you know, and she scuttled away like a rat. Uh, and and. I was disgusted, disgusted. And I watched people in how there. How are they sign. getting people like her? How are they getting people like her? Is 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 it the money? Is it the fear of losing really your job? You I, get I've, asked myself, I've asked myself the same thing. The only thing that I could, the only scenario that I can think of, I, I mean, a lot of these people in the loop, the coroners and the mortuary staff, and they're good people. I knew them before COVID. They're not bad people i feel they're good people doing a bad thing and the only scenario that i can run past that i can think of that i can see why they would do it i think maybe some of these people have been approached with a large sum of money large to them for non-disclosure and they've done and they've signed this before the shits hit the fan so they kind of thought oh that's a lovely bonus i'll take that and they've signed it on the condition they have to pay it back and they'll be sacked and they'll be deregistered. 
So you think yeah. about that. If then the truth started emerging, you could see why you were doing your job. Something was very, very wrong. You couldn't speak out because you took 200,000 in funny money because there's no money. It's all digital money. It's, they haven't got the gold to back it up. We will know the economy is about to go. So they could offer you any sort of money. And, and you know, if it's a big lump, if you're on, if you're a, a mortuary technician on 30 grand a year and somebody offers you a hundred thousand pound in 2019, just before COVID, oh, they're doing a, a new non, non, uh, a non-disclosure agreement. If you sign for this, but you'll be deregistered, struck off, you'll lose your job and you'll have to pay it back. Who's going to open their mouth? No one, no one. And that's the only thing that I can think that is making I know these people. I look them in the eyes. I can see the turmoil and agony and the anger and the panic in them. You know, I'm, and, and to my should. mind, yeah, they should. They really should because I can tell you when people find out en masse what's been done, do you know who they're going to target? They're going to target the people that knew and the people that were compliant yep. and the people they can get to. And it's not going to be these tossers deep in their bunkers eating uh, uh, fillet steak while they're pushing out insects to us. It's going to be the people they can access. They're going to go down to the local hospitals and they're going to run riot. And that yeah, is my concern. And they're going to say, what? you knew. You yeah, you knew. knew and you fucking said nothing. Yeah. And and that that is the, that is the truth. Um, and um, I am amazed at the short-sightedness of them. But if they've signed a non-disclosure agreement, for a sum they can never hope to ever pay back and and don't get me wrong if you get a big lump sum you're not going to just sit on it you're going to spend it you're going to enjoy it you're going to get a new car you're going to pay your mortgage off you're going to go on holiday you're going to do all the things you want to do they ain't even got it to pay it back uh, that's right. what i think as a, a kind of logical thinker what is making good people totally deny something is happening that's sitting in front of them you know and i, I know agree. it is they and know. probably and and probably john they're topping it up a little like you get yeah, this much now. and we need you know and and then yeah. there's all this exactly we really need you on board or you can be struck off deregistered and we want the money back as per your signature yep. your agreement you know and i'm sense. not saying they made sense. this agreement they didn't make this agreement with what's happening now this would have been before this all happened this would have been probably i would guess mid 2019 before there was any mention of it when they were busy putting the patents on the on the on the vaccines do yeah. you know what i mean i, I think that's what's happened because these people i knew these people they're good people they did care they cared i know because i worked with them for 13 years before covid and all of a sudden they're totally not seeing it and totally uh, i mean i don't get me wrong there's probably always going to be someone that's fully invested uh, and totally brainwashed but there are people I can tell you because I've spoke to them that know what's going on totally, totally know what's going on and are beside themselves with grief, still taking the money. Do you know, they've reached out to me. I've had dozens yeah. of nurses and doctors reach out to me. We all know. We all know the doctors have stood there and they've said everyone knows. And they're still going in on Monday and sticking the needles in arms. It's wrong. It's wrong. And they've got to live with that. And, and, and apart from that, you know, it's ultimately we all have to go home. And we have to look at ourselves in the mirror. You know, what do yeah. they think is going to happen to them? Say, for example, God forbid, but they did decimate um, Europe and they cleared it and there was no one left to inject. What do they think is going to happen to them when they fulfilled their purpose? 
That's it. Did they think they're finally going to say, well, thanks for helping us kill everyone. You can live happily ever after now. It's yes. not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen. Of course it's not. Of course it's not. So, so these people that I think they've got a seat on the ark, they're not. They're just going to, they're eels in a barrel and they're all wriggling as they're pulling eels out, aren't they? And then they're going to get to the last eel and it'll be them. You know, and there'd be no one to fight and argue for them. There'd be no one standing in Westminster for them because we'll all be gone. But um, I don't care. I'll meet my maker with a clear conscience. I'd rather throw it all away for, for people that I've never met. I love that about you. John, my final question today, uh, first of all, I just want you to know that I, I just consider you one of the finest human beings on the planet, and I thank God for <sighs> you. Uh, but you said that uh, the only way out of this maybe um, is divine intervention. Is this the ultimate battle between good and evil, literally God and the devil? Like uh, yes. uh, the scheme has been hatched. And this is epic. It's it's the same as the Garden of Eden really when there was two people, and and yes. you know he's been trying to kill people since then. But is this it? I was never a deeply religious guy. I've, I've probably been more spiritual. My dad, he, I, there's snippets that you know, your dad, if you're lucky enough to have one, as I was, um, pass on to you. And one of them is, is treat people how you want to be treated. You know, um, people are mirrors. So much like a mirror, you walk around through life. And I worked in security, so I was a doorman for seven years. And it weren't all about bashing people up. It was about stopping aggravation. Stop, you know. So people are mirrors. And if you, what do you get when you look in a mirror? Exactly what you give it. And people are exactly the same. So I try and live my life, and, and I'm far from perfect. But, but um, and I think that's the thing that saddened me the most is, is I know what's happening. I'm utterly convinced. I see it firsthand in the kids that are putting coffins in greater numbers than ever. I see it in the reports of babies that they now sneak directly from the hospitals to the crematoriums. You can go online and put um, baby funeral contract and there's dozens and dozens and dozens of tenders that they're putting out um, uh, because it's public money. They have to put it online. It's there in front of you. You know, this is definitely, definitely a battle of good against evil. I suspect I have an idea of it is. It's quite um, uh, uh, it's something that people have to look in and make their own decision. But is it a cult? Yes, it definitely is. Definitely, without a doubt. I've got no okay. doubt in my mind. And, and I remember I, I was born in 68. So for me, I kind of remember a few years ago thinking how lucky I was. You know, I listened to my grandfather who was taken by the Japs um, on Singapore in World War Two, And the stories he told me and he told me everything about it. And I remember listening with awe and horror and, and thinking how lucky I was never to go through anything like that. And all of a sudden, I think um, this is worse than anything they've ever done. You know, people, it, this is World War Three, and there are millions and millions of casualties walking around you that you can't even, they don't even know they're casualties. It's unbelievable. Some of the families are blissfully unaware. Some of them are really aware and they're being totally ignored. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide except perhaps Mexico or Brazil. You know, uh, because my, my feeling is, and, and probably some of the saving graces that the cartels run Mexico can't be bought, you know, and that's why it remains, um, I think, a safe place, believe it or not. I never thought I'd say that. And places like Iran. <laughs> I, I think I Iran is actually probably safer than America now. I agree. And I went to Costa Rica a couple of times. And uh, these places that are more simple and that have their own sort of law, and they're yeah, not yeah, yeah, beholden yeah, yeah. to the to the globalists. These are safer you, um, places. 
exactly that. And again, uh, I can tell you, the cartels—they're only businessmen. They, they um, again, they operate on the on the on the principle of mirrors. You know, if you don't mess with them, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You know, they only kill their own people, and it's only ever business. And is it right or is it right? I don't know. I, um, is the government slaughtering everyone right or wrong? Are they, are they any better? I, I would suggest they're far better than the people that um, are leading us down the path of of, of hellfire, because that's where we're going. Um, and it, it will happen. I would suggest in Europe what we're going to see is um, Russian cars next year, digital Russian cars. So they tried to introduce the um, vac uh, vaccine passport and digital passport. People wouldn't go for it. There was enough impetus where people still said, no, we're not doing that. Um, uh, what they've done now is they've uh, instigated a war with Russia. They banned wheat and, uh, and gas and oil. So that's going to cause famine. You know, they've um, deliberately bought up as much farmland as they possibly can, and they're not farming it. You know, we've seen um, how many food processing centers have we seen burnt in America, across America? 16, 18 in the last 12 months, you know. So, so it's clear yes. what they're doing. Um, they'll, and in order, and people have to eat. So if they won't uh, engage with a digital passport voluntarily, let's starve them to death, and they'll, and they'll, they'll have a digital Russian card. Um, and I, I know that's going to come. I know that's going to come. I'm not engaging with it. So I um, I suspect uh, I'll probably end up dying on my doorstep or in one of the facilities um, during a, a, um, a, a COVID outbreak is the, with a few jails of me, but I don't care. I would never engage with these demons. Now I know. Once you sit there and you see that they look at you as livestock and they know, I would never engage. I've lost all respect for the police and for government. They disgust me. So, John, I have one hope that I'll leave you with, and that hope is that we serve a powerful God and that Psalms 91 says he will hide us under the shadow of his wing, that a plague may come nigh their tent, but it will not come near our dwelling, that God will keep the pestilence, the, the, you know, the disease away from us, and that somehow we win. Those that have been stupid and lacking in discernment and have not heard from God, that th there will be uh, the results of that. But those of us who trust God, I'm just believing God's bigger than all of this. And I don't know how he saves us, but I do think it's serious. And we've got to govern ourselves accordingly. Yeah, I think um, the time has come for a new age of man um, where we... Uh, are defined by a moral compass that we all have. Um, one thing, I've never been a deeply, devoutly religious man. I, I come across religion during the course of my work because everyone dies. So I look after Christians, Catholics, um, Jehovah's Witness, Buddhists, Sikhs, um, everyone. And I've got a great respect Atheist. for religion. But yeah, well, well, I've been more of a spiritual person, I suppose. But one thing the last two years have taught me is that I've got no doubt in my mind there is on this earth a pure evil that worships Satan. I've got no doubt in my mind. So where I've, I've come to terms that there is that, there must be the polar opposite good, and that must be God. So I found myself praying, um, you know, and I hope he listens, and I don't I care if I throw myself under. I'm not bothered about me. If I was bothered about me, I would have never spoke out. I'm bothered about you and the girl next door and the bloke down the road and the, all the people that these wicked, wicked bastards of, of duped and poisoned and hurt. And um, I don't care what happens to me. I'm not bothered. And that's why we love you, John, and we care what happens to you. So please be safe.
please be well. Be well. Keep I, one eye I will on try. The lookout. They know where I am. They know where I am. And I'm. Uh, do you know? Yes. I, when I was, in my day, I was a, a bit of a a bit of a, a, a lad, and I could look after myself. I'm 54 now. I'm past my best. They know where I am. If they want me, they come and get me. Um, I don't care. It won't stop me being honest. So you best get on and do it. I know? pray for protection over you. Thank you, John. And uh, please, please come back again in a few months because I'm sure there's going to be more horror stories to tell. And I have a feeling you'll be right at the front line on all of it. So I thank you, yeah. sir, for that. Thank you for your time. Uh, and thank you for what you're doing over there because um, one thing I've learned is that we're all one humanity and we're all one family and without each other, we're nothing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Take care, John. God bless you. God bless, God bless Canada God bless. as well. And don't ever feel alone, guys, because I can tell you there are a lot of people over here that care very deeply about what's happening there. And I'm one of them. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. God, God bless. bless. Take care. Don't you just love him? That's a good man. My website is lauralyn.tv. And uh, I just thank you for your standing with me. Um, we're in this together and we're courageous together and we're powerful together. We've got to stand. I believe what John's saying or I wouldn't have him on. I don't like having guests that I don't value their opinion unless I'm going to fight with them. If I'm going to have a guest on that I'm going to fight with now, that's only happened once in a while. Okay. And it was, yeah, it was good. <laughs> we had a good fight online. Uh, but I didn't know that we were going to disagree. Actually, I only have accidental guests that I disagree with. Um, when I have someone on, it's because I, I believe they have something to give us and to teach us. And I think this is it, you guys. I believe that we have a collusion that is so serious and so bad. It is out for the death of all of us. The word of God says that the enemy, Lucifer, Satan, he has been a murderer from the beginning. That's who we're up against. And he's using men, but men are fallible. They have blood just like us. And our God can take them out by many means that God has at the moment God decides it. So I do not choose to put my destiny into the hands of these people. Uh, there is only one who is in control of life and death, and that is God himself. If, if someone dies, God has allowed it. So I thank you that we're in it together. These are serious days. I'm very concerned, as you know, from all my yelling that I've been doing on my broadcast to you. I want to thank you for your support. Um, if you value this kind of work, there's only one way I can do this, and if, that's if you'll help me. Uh, Laura Lynn Live at ProtonMail.com is where you can um, share some love and uh, a word of thanks uh, or um, share your stories with me. I do appreciate that so much. I try to get to all my emails. I'm so sorry if I don't get to every single one of them. I'm really trying. I'm trying to be concerted, uh, make a concerted effort for that because there's so many. Um, and sometimes you'll hear from one of my uh, wonderful trusty people that help me. Um, we're in it together. Thank you. If you go to my website, there's a spot there. It says donate and you can send some love. If you can do uh, a monthly uh, donation, uh, it's even better. It's a, it's a small amount. You just give it every month or hey, if you want to give a big amount, we're sure going we're, we're sure to take that as well. But there's only one way for me to be able to do this. 
Um, me and my husband commit ourselves to this at an epic season of absolute worldwide chaos. I want to leave you with a word today, and it's in Psalm 68. May God arise and may his enemies be scattered. Amen. We need God to arise. We need his enemies scattered. These people that think they've got the lowdown, that they've got the plan, the depopulation plan to take us out, nothing's new. They're just spawns of Satan. They're just being used by, by the most evil, vile creation that God ever made. Unfortunately, Lucifer had a, an amazing position in heaven, but he chose to do what he was not allowed to do. And that was to decide he wanted to be like God. And so we trust the Lord that he can deal with every enemy in our lives. So may God arise, may his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke what God can do with one blast from his nostrils all of them done in do not worry everybody put your hope in God as wax melts before the fire may the wicked perish before God amen amen we may not have natural weapons especially in Canada, we've got no second amendment. But as wax melts before the fire, may the wicked perish before God. God's in charge here. But may the righteous, oh, I love this part. May the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Can you get your happy back? Can you get your joy back? Listen, the enemy might have a plan for destruction, but that ain't the end of the story. God is large and in charge. He is fully in control. Put your hope in him. All anxiety, all fear, all of the evil forebodings that we're hearing, put it all away from you, everybody. May we, the righteous before God, may we be happy and joyful find your joy because this is gonna be the ride of our lives i love you see you tomorrow god bless you know it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing but for some of us we feel that we have no choice because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.